Let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you that in your Son we can be born again. God, I pray in these moments as we hear again this passage of Scripture, as we think about Jesus and Nicodemus, God, help us to be reminded that, Lord, none of us can fool you. Lord, you know whether we have humbly come into the presence of your Son and knelt at his cross and and ask him to come into our heart and be our Savior and give us birth into the kingdom of God. And Lord, I just pray that if there is someone here who has not yet done that, Father, that in these messages from John 3, that, God, they would be moved to turn to your Son and let him be their sin bearer and let the judgment of their sin fall upon him and not upon themselves. And God, I pray that if there's any here that have doubts, God, may they ask again just to make sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus is their Savior and Lord so that when they meet you face to face, they'll know that they're safe because they are the children of God. And Father, for we who are Christians, God, help us to rejoice that we have a Savior. Help us one day to know that we're going to see you face to face and see your Son and like Thomas, be able to see the nail prints in his hands and spear mark in his side, knowing that he died to set us free and to give us life everlasting. God, please be in our midst and speak to every heart, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. This morning, we're going to conclude this study in John 3. And this morning, I just want to read the last three verses, 19, 20, and 21 of these verses that we've been looking at. So please follow in your Bible. I hope that you'll leave your Bible open because we're going to make reference to some other verses that are very close to John chapter 3. But listen to these words from Jesus. And this is the judgment that the light, you remember we've been saying that you could put the name Jesus there, that Jesus has come into the world and men love darkness rather than Jesus because their deeds were evil. For everyone who does evil hates the light or hates Jesus and does not come to Jesus lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does what is true comes to the light that it may be clearly seen that his deeds have been wrought in God. Before we look at these last three verses, I want to go back to verse 18 and just sum it up, okay? Let me read verse 18 to you again. And again, that's one of the reasons I want you to have your Bible and open it. Verse 18, Jesus says, He who, does not, he who believes in him is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Folks, you remember last week as we concluded the message, we talked about how each one of us one day will stand before holy God. And when you and I as Christians, as believers, when we stand before God, we will stand before God believing in the finished work of Christ on the cross. We've mentioned so many times that John the Baptist in John chapter 1, when he saw Jesus said that Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. 
And so when you and I as believers stand before holy God, we will be washed in the blood of Jesus and there will be no condemnation for us. And let me point out in Romans 8.1, listen to what the Apostle Paul says, and we mentioned this verse last week. I want to tell you what, folks, this is one of the most comforting verses to me in the writings of Paul. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And you know what that means? When we stand before our Heavenly Father, who is holy and eternal, we'll be able to enter into His presence because we have been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. And listen to what Jesus Himself says in John chapter 5, verse 24. Jesus is being accused of being a blasphemer, and they're seeking to kill Jesus because He identifies Himself with the Father. And listen to what he says in John 5:24. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. Folks, the words of Jesus, the words of the Apostle Paul, here's something that grabs me about the New Testament. This is... Basically 2,000 years old, but yet its truth still stands strong because it is from the Son of God and it is the Word of God. And folks, we can bank on what he's saying. And I'm not saying this in a critical way. If, if you wonder about, am I truly saved? Is there a God? Is there a heaven? Is there an eternity? Is there standing before God? The answer is yes, according to the words of Jesus himself and according to the Word of God. Why should we believe in Him? He died for us. He rose for us. He's coming back again for us. These are words that have stood the test of time for almost 2,000 years. But folks, here's the flip side of that. The people who reject Jesus are in spiritual darkness, and therefore, according to verse 18, they're already under the judgment of God. They stand condemned standing before the holy God. They have nothing to offer up as a means of taking away their sin. They reject Jesus because they think their works or their knowledge or their heritage or their status is going to give them entry into the kingdom of God. Jesus is telling Nicodemus he cannot enter the kingdom of God because of his works or knowledge or heritage or status. He must be born again. Those are some strong words, aren't they? But let me again, beginning with verse 19, point out the difference between someone who has been born again, or what you and I would call a saved person, and a lost person. Now, please listen very closely. Not because I'm getting ready to tell you something that I just found out, but something that the Word of God verifies. Folks, both saved and lost people are sinners. Would you agree to that? Romans 3.23, all have sinned and come short or fall short of the glory of God. Can any of us stand up and say, I'm a Christian and I've never sinned since I got saved? If you can, we need to do some serious counseling with you, okay? All of us are sinners. But what is the difference between a saved sinner and a lost sinner? A saved person has repented of sin and trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. Listen to what Jesus said 
in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Listen to this. And these are the first words that Mark puts on the lips of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. The word repent means to turn around from the life and path that you are on and believe in the gospel, which is that Jesus is the Son of God. He came to this earth. He died on the cross. He was buried. He rose again on the third day, and he's coming back again. I hope you never get tired of hearing that, folks, because that is the gospel just summed up in just a couple of words. A saved person has repented. And, folks, let me point something out. When you and I as Christians sin... The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, and we confess that sin, we repent of the sin, we might temporarily lose our fellowship with Christ, but we do not lose our relationship with Christ. And here's the way I liken that. We who have children, have your children not done anything wrong and made you angry and mad and upset, but do you stop loving them? And here's the good news for the Christian. Folks, all of us, even as Christians, we continue to sin, but we continue to receive forgiveness and restoration of fellowship with God when we confess and turn back to Jesus. Let me read 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, okay? Listen to these verses. These are very important verses for you and I as Christians. This is a message we have heard from him. Who is John speaking about? Jesus. And we proclaim to you that... God is light, in him is no darkness at all. You know what he's saying there? God is holy. God does not have sin as his nature like you and I as humans do. And in verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not live according to the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. Jesus' blood cleanses us before we're saved. Jesus' blood cleanses us after we're saved. Isn't that wonderful? I mean, it really is. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. May I read that verse again, Fran? I'm sorry. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Now listen to verse 9. If we confess our sin, if we agree with God as Christians that we've done wrong, we rebel, we've missed the mark, God is faithful and just, will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But folks, what is the difference between a Christian who sins and a lost person who sins? Well, a Christian no longer enjoys sin, but turns from it in confession and repentance, asking for forgiveness. And God does the forgiving, God does the restoring, and God gives us victory over sin. But listen to what Jesus says in verse 19 about the person that is lost, the person that is without Christ. I hope that you'll look at verse 19 in your copy of the Scripture, but let me read that verse from the Living Bible. Listen to this. Their sentence is based on this fact. Now, again, remember. And, folks, here's something. You know, the world just just tries to the muddle of the gospel. God does not want his judgment to fall on us. But remember in both the Old Testament, remember when we studied especially the first six chapters of the book of Isaiah, where there's like a, a, a spiritual trial and Israel has rebelled and sinned against God and God is their judge. 
Folks, in both the Old Testament and New Testament, God is the judge over us all and will be held accountable to him. He created us not to rebel and sin against him, but to be loved by him and to be a part of his family. But we willfully choose to rebel and turn against God. So listen to what Jesus said. The sentence is based on this fact, that the light, and I love the way, you see how the Living Bible puts light capitalized. And it's picking up again on who is the light. The light is Jesus. That the light from heaven came into the world, but they loved the darkness or sin more than the light, for their deeds were evil. And folks, the key phrase in this verse is, but they loved the darkness or sin more than the light. And in this verse, in this passage of Scripture throughout John, darkness represents sin and separation from God, and the light represents Jesus. And you remember again, John eight twelve. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me shall not walk in darkness. And let me get you to flip back one page. This is not on the overhead. But in John chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, as John is beginning his gospel, and he's speaking of Jesus in verse 4 and 5, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Folks, here's something, again, that I want us to understand, and none of this is said in a judgmental way, but trying to share the Word of God in truth and honesty and in love with you. The lost person finds their pleasure in sin and in immorality and rebellion against God. And one good example of that is Romans chapter 1, beginning with verse 18, where the people in Paul's day tried to suppress the truth about God. They tried to deny the truth about God. Their minds were darkened. They worshiped the creature instead of the creator. They rebelled against God's authority and against God's standards. And folks, the lost are also deceived by Satan in the world and are on the path of destruction. Listen to this verse in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus describing the two paths in life. Listen to this. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. Jesus is saying there that Satan has a blinding power. And so often, before we come to Christ, we're blinded by Satan. And we don't think that sin is going to hurt us, but it does. And the lost also refuse to believe that Jesus is the Son of God and the Savior of the world. And folks, look at verse 20. Let me read that again to you, okay? For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to light, lest his deeds should be exposed. There are three things, and remember again, these are the words of Jesus. There are three things that Jesus says about the lost. Number one, they hate the light. Now, that's pretty strong, isn't it? But let me point something out. What did the people of Jesus' day do to him? They killed him because they hated him and they rejected him. Folks, you know, when we are involved in sin, we don't want to hear anything about God, do we? You know, I think about the prodigal son being a good example of this. And that rebellious time in his life and that disobedient time, he, I believe he literally hated his dad. He couldn't wait to get away from his dad and from his influence 
And so he asked his dad, you know the story for what was coming to him, and he skipped town, and he went out, and he wasted his life in sin. You remember where he wound up? Not only does the lost hate the light, but the lost do not come to the light according to the words of Jesus. And folks, again, I just want to tell you the truth today, and I want to tell you the truth in love. The gospel of Jesus Christ is preached somehow, somewhere, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, yet men reject the gospel. And why do they do that? And I believe Jesus gives the answer. The third thing in verse 20, Jesus says about the lost, they don't come to the light lest their deeds should be exposed. Folks, just as natural light shows up what is unseen, If you got up this morning before light and you looked outside, you couldn't see anything except darkness, right? But when the sun came up, you could see everything around you. And you see, Christ Jesus, as the light, exposes our deeds of sin. Let me read two verses out of Luke chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, and Jesus again is speaking to the Jewish leaders. Jesus said, nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed upon the housetop. What is Jesus? Is he just talking about words? He's talking about more than that. And folks, a lot of people refuse to trust Jesus or even come. and, And again, please hear me. I'm just trying to tell you the truth. I'm not trying to judge anybody. But folks, we don't want to come to church. We don't want to hear the gospel. We don't want to hear anything to do with Christ because we know it will expose our condition, which is being lost. And folks, Warren Wiersbe says it is not intellectual problems that keep people from trusting Christ. It is the moral and spiritual blindness that keeps them loving the darkness and hating the light. And folks, the problem in, this, in today's world is not saying, well, you know, we've become so highly educated and we've become so culturally elite that it just doesn't, I just can't, I can't believe this stuff in this book. Well, folks, that's not the problem. Because you see, if you seek God, you'll find God. Amen? Amen? But when you don't want God to have any influence on your life, and you know, there's something I found out about a Christian. The closer I get to the Lord, the more I see my sin. Think how it feels. Remember when you were lost before you came to Christ? You know why I didn't want to come to church? I had plenty of excuses. I wanted to go hunting on Sunday, and I did that a lot of times. I wanted to go fishing on Sunday. I did that a lot of times. I didn't want to hear the old man up there in the pulpit yelling, screaming, hollering, stomp. I didn't want to hear that. My problem was not those things. My problem was the fact that I was lost, and I would hear something about a holy God that I couldn't believe, and that was that he loved me so much that he gave his son to die in my place. And folks, look, Jesus says the lost hate the light. But let me reverse that question. Does Jesus hate the lost? You hear what I'm saying? The lost hate the Lord Jesus in the gospel But does Jesus hate them? Go back up to verse 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. 
Listen to verse 17. For God sent the Son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world might be what? Saved through Him. Jesus does not hate the lost. But folks, listen to verse 21. And this describes the saved. But he who does what is true comes to the light or comes to Jesus. And folks, I want to point something out. You know, Jesus, if we could use the, the illustration of a magnet, Jesus was like a magnet, wasn't he? You think about all of the lost people that came to him. Matter of fact, that was one of the criticisms of Jesus that, that he fellowships with and eats with sinners. Sinners were drawn to him, sinners that acknowledged they needed a Savior. And when Jesus rebuked their sin, they knew he did it in love, and they responded in repentance and faith. And they became new creations in Christ. They were born again because they came true to the truth, and they trusted Jesus as their Savior. Folks, studying these 21 verses has been a blessing to me. And here's what I want to conclude with. And I want to ask you today, and this is where we began this study. Where are we today? Are we going away from the light? Are we dismissing the claims of Christ? And you see, if we're dismissing the claims of Christ, if we're saying, I don't need Him, Jesus said that path... And there are plenty of people that are on it leads to destruction because we have no Savior. But if we are coming to the light, if we're living in Jesus, if we're celebrating His salvation and living in His love, what a glorious life and blessing that is. Folks, let me close with this. What happened to Nicodemus? Well, in John chapter 3, obviously... Nicodemus slips off into the night. He got more than he was expecting, didn't he? But let's read those last verses that mention Nicodemus in the Gospel of John, chapter 19. And I'll just read through these, okay? Jesus has died on the cross after this, John says. After Jesus has died on the cross, Joseph of Arimathea, who was the disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him leave. So he came and took away his body. Now look at verse 39. Praise the Lord. Nicodemus also. There's no doubt that this is the same Nicodemus, because look at the next phrase. Nicodemus also, who had at first come to him by night, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds weight. They took the body of Jesus, bound it in linen cloths with the spices, as was their burial custom of the Jews. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb where no one had ever been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, as the tomb was close at hand, look at that last phrase, they... They, they laid Jesus there. Joseph of Arimathea, Nicodemus. You know, the first thought that hit me, you know, it's an honor to serve as a pallbearer, isn't it, at a funeral? Nicodemus and Joseph are Jesus' pallbearers. 
would they have been a pallbearer for a man that had offended them and hurt their feelings because of his preaching? What made the difference? We see in John 3, and I'm going to use wording that, Nick, that Warren Wiersbe says, John 3, Nicodemus is in the, is in the midnight of confusion. But in John 19, Nicodemus is in the sunlight of confession. And he knows. He knows Jesus is the Savior of the world. He knows. You remember in verse 14 of John 3 where Jesus says, uh, as, the, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Nicodemus now knows. When Jesus was lifted up on that cross, he became the cure for sin-sick men. The Easter drama is going to feature a song entitled, We Believe. Let me just read part of the words to that song, okay? In this time of desperation, when all we know is doubt and fear, there's only one foundation. We believe. We believe. In this broken generation, when all is dark, you help us see. There's only one salvation. We believe. We believe. We believe in God the Father. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe in the Holy Spirit, and he's given us new life. We believe in the crucifixion. We believe that he conquered death. We believe in his resurrection, and he's coming back again. We believe. John three fifteen and 16 says that if you and I believe in him, we may have eternal life. For God so loved you and I, or you and me, that he gave his only son, that if we believe in him, we should not perish but have eternal life. As your pastor, as someone who loves you, I pray that you believe. Let us pray. Father, If we're in darkness, may the light of your Son be that magnet that draws us unto you. God, thank you that you sent your Son not to condemn but to save. And I pray this morning if there's anyone here that that knows that if, if you call them to stand before you at this very moment, there would be nothing that they could say or do that would cause them to be worthy of entering into your kingdom. But, Father, I pray that if they feel that way, they would know that in your Son, Jesus, they can be born again. If they will simply believe. If they will confess that they're lost in sin, but believe that Jesus came to save them from that sin and to make them a child of God and give them birth into the kingdom of God. And, God, I pray for we who are Christians, believers. God, some of us have been saved for many, many years and Perhaps over the years we've lost the the love for you that we should have had. And God, perhaps it doesn't mean so much to us now. We're just treading time until, Lord, you call us home. But God, help us every day to live in the joy of being a child of God and to bear witness to what Jesus has done in us and through us and for us. And Father, help us to keep looking unto you. And especially if there's someone here today who has not trusted Christ, may they look to you in faith 
and trust Jesus as their sin bearer and as their Savior. Have your way and your will in these moments of invitation, for we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn is number 509, My Faith Looks Up to Thee. The altar's open. Folks, don't do anything that the Lord doesn't lead you to do. But I encourage you, if He's leading you to make a public profession of faith or simply to come down and recommit yourself to Him, would you do that as He leads? Let us stand as we sing.